How long have you lived in Florida? I have lived in Florida for more than 20 years. And did you ever think that in your lifetime you'd ever see Disney suing the Florida governor? No, never. I mean, I don't know of other examples of a company suing a governor. This week, Disney sued Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, alleging he retaliated against the company for speaking out against the state's so-called don't-say-gay law. Our colleague Ariane Campo-Flores has been covering it. So, on the one hand, you have Governor DeSantis, who is a rising star of the Republican Party and is likely to be a 2024 presidential candidate. And on the other side, you have Disney, which is one of the largest employers in the state and has been a longtime economic powerhouse in Florida. The fight's been brewing for over a year, but Disney's lawsuit this week takes the battle up a notch. Disney is like this family-friendly brand. I mean, it's something that, you know, we've all kind of grown up with and been familiar with. So to see it now at war, basically with the chief executive of the state, is kind of surreal. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Ryan Knudsen. It's Friday, April 28th. Coming up on the show, the latest in the clash between Disney and Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. This episode is brought to you by Natrol. Natrol is America's number one drug-free sleep aid brand, helping you fall asleep faster and stay asleep longer. Natrol melatonin gummies are made with clean ingredients, like 99% pure melatonin, to work with your sleep cycle, helping you sleep better, making the next day your best day. Natrol. Sleep tonight. Live tomorrow. Shop now at natrol.com. This product helps with occasional sleeplessness. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent diseases. The fight between Disney and Ron DeSantis began last year with the parental rights and education law, which critics call the don't say gay law. It prohibits classroom instruction about gender identity or sexual orientation for children through third grade. And initially, Disney had declined to wade into that fight, even though they were facing pressure from many of their employees and from consumers. But what happened is that eventually they did chime in, and came out against that bill. And as a result, DeSantis then fired back. Lord, I don't take marching orders from woke corporations based in California. Once the measure was then passed and signed into law by DeSantis, things escalated further. Because at that point, Disney said that the measure should never have passed and that they would now seek to get it repealed in the legislature. That then triggered a discussion among Republican lawmakers in the legislature about whether they should respond by doing something about Disney's special tax district. Disney's special tax district. It's called Reedy Creek. It's just outside Orlando, where Disney World is based. The district was established in the 1960s, 
And it's been a massive help to Disney as the company expanded its theme parks there over the years. And what it essentially allows Disney to do is to control that 25,000-acre piece of land where its theme parks are. And it allows the district to function almost as though it were its own county. It allowed Disney to do things like set up utility service, set up the roads, set up other infrastructure, its own fire department. It essentially allowed Disney to uh, run the show in this land and not deal with a lot of the bureaucratic hurdles that maybe other companies would have to face. So that means that Disney, if it wants to build a roller coaster or a building or a hotel in this Reedy Creek area, it doesn't have to go to the local government and ask for zoning permits and and permission, essentially. That's right. So they can secure those approvals from the district, which they largely control. There is not a mayor, but there is this five-member board of supervisors that I would liken to like a county commission, basically. And those people are appointed by Disney. They were elected by the landowners in the district, which are largely, you know, Disney-affiliated people. And so for all intents and purposes, Disney is getting to select the people that it wants. After Disney spoke out against the so-called Don't Say Gay law, DeSantis helped introduce a new bill in the Florida legislature that would get rid of some special tax districts, including Reedy Creek. DeSantis has often cast this as an evening of the playing field for companies in Florida. What he has said is that Disney, because of its economic night, because of its lobbying prowess, has carved out special privileges for itself over the years and that it was effectively governing itself in this special district. And he said that that was unfair and that part of what he was doing was trying to put companies on equal footing. There's a new sheriff in town and accountability will be the order of the day. But DeSantis's plan to dissolve the Reedy Creek tax district ran into a problem. Reedy Creek had almost a billion dollars of debt, which Disney had been solely responsible for. Eliminating the district would mean neighboring counties and their residents would likely have to pick up the tab. And so that set off another round of strategizing over what to do about the district. Instead of going after the district itself, DeSantis decided to go after the people who controlled the district, that board. Earlier this year, Florida passed legislation that allowed the governor to appoint the members of the board. Instead of being affiliated with Disney, these members were now affiliated with DeSantis. This new board was set to take over in March. And Disney gave the impression that they were just going to go along with it. In their public statements about all of these sort of developments, their position was that, you know, they were going to work with whatever structure the state settled on in terms of the control and the governance of this district. But what has emerged since then is that Disney was actually doing things in response and in anticipation of losing effective control over the board that oversees the district. In a meeting in February, just before DeSantis's new board was set to take over, Disney went before the old board, which it still largely controlled, and secured a number of agreements. 
Disney basically locked in some zoning and infrastructure and air rights approvals that the company would need if it wanted to continue to expand its presence there in the district. And it locked those in for 30 years. So Disney just got sort of a carte blanche green light that you can do kind of whatever you want. In so many words, yet. The carte blanche approvals would make it easier for Disney to expand. The company has said it plans to spend as much as $17 billion in Florida over the next 10 years and create 13,000 jobs. But DeSantis's new board said they had no idea that any of this was going on. And so they only discovered it after those agreements had essentially been made. Disney's meeting in February with the old board, when it secured those agreements, was public. And the company published two ads about it in the local paper. But when the new board members, who were appointed by DeSantis, found out about it, they were not happy. The new board declared that these agreements that Disney struck were null and void. So they are now acting as though these agreements have no legal effect and are unconstitutional. Why were they so upset? I think what has really rankled DeSantis in all of this is this feeling that Disney is, again, trying to use its economic might and its history of often getting its way to yet again secure a benefit that perhaps it's not entitled to in DeSantis's view. And then, just minutes after the new board nullified Disney's agreements, Disney threw its biggest punch yet. That's next. This episode is brought to you by Global X ETFs. Buzz around artificial intelligence is seemingly everywhere. Is your portfolio keeping up? Consider the Global X Artificial Intelligence and Technology ETF, ticker AIQ, which invests in dozens of stocks at the leading edge of this disruption. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. Technology companies can be affected by rapid product obsolescence and intense industry competition. Before investing carefully, consider the fund's objectives, risks, charges, expenses, and more in the full or summary prospectus at GlobalXETFs.com. Read carefully. Distributed by SEI Investments Distribution Company. This episode is brought to you by Vonage. With Vonage Video API, your developers can easily create custom video experiences tailored to your business. Enhance every conversation with live video, whether it's delivering faster tech support, improving customer service, or enabling interactive meetings and events. Unlock the true video potential of your business. Discover how at Vonage.com. On Wednesday morning, just minutes after DeSantis's board nullified their agreements, Disney sued DeSantis, the five members of the new board, and other officials. So Disney alleges in its lawsuit that DeSantis has orchestrated this retaliation campaign against the company using the machinery of the state to essentially punish Disney for having spoken out against a piece of legislation that it found troubling. And so it's basically arguing that DeSantis has violated Disney's First Amendment rights by exacting a vengeance on it 
for having spoken up about it. It being the so-called don't say gay law. What does Disney want the court to do? Disney is seeking through this lawsuit for a court to find that those agreements that it struck are in fact valid, that the board's declaration of them as being null and void has no effect, and that these laws that were passed over the past year that effectively stripped control of the district from Disney were also invalid. How does this look for Ron DeSantis? This has now extended far longer than I think he initially anticipated that it would. And it has become a high-stakes fight and one in which Disney has appeared at times to outmaneuver him. And so for DeSantis, who has, you know, built this brand as someone who doesn't back down from fights, who takes on woke corporations, and who is a winner, this creates a problem for that message. And it calls into question, you know, that brand that he's built for himself. At a press conference yesterday, DeSantis said he didn't think the suit had merit, and he thought it was political. Now that DeSantis is being sued, even some Republicans are starting to question his strategy. And there are some examples of Republicans who are saying, mostly privately, but in a few instances publicly, that they're concerned about the direction that this battle is heading in. It's become this this almost personal tit-for-tat between the governor and Disney. For some people, they regard it as the governor now seeing this as a personal vendetta and, and wanting to go after the company, not simply for economically or competitively understandable reasons, but because the company is making them look bad. A DeSantis spokeswoman said the Disney lawsuit is, quote, yet another unfortunate example of their hope to undermine the will of the Florida voters and operate outside the bounds of the law. The Republican Party has historically been seen as the pro-business party, but do you think that this fight between Republican Governor DeSantis and Disney, a major business, will affect that reputation? There is a wing of the Republican Party that is uncomfortable with what DeSantis is doing because they see it as, you know, a heavy-handed government response against a company and a meddling in its affairs. But there is this kind of new right that has emerged in recent years and has become a real force that has a different view of things and that regards companies as having been in some ways captured by left-wing ideologies and that it is justified to use the power of the state to root that out because they see corporations as increasingly delving into social and cultural issues that they used to not meddle in. What do legal experts say about what may happen in this case? There are many legal experts who think that Disney has the stronger position legally in this fight. One legal expert I spoke to said he believed that the First Amendment arguments that Disney has made are strong, that this does look like a case of retaliation against a company for exercising its free speech rights. But there are few who say that this is a slam dunk. In the end, it's likely that 
unless there's some settlement early on, which right now doesn't appear to be that where this is headed, that this is likely to be a very drawn out legal battle. Ariane says that Disney doesn't appear to be backing down anytime soon. They're not going anywhere. They've been in the state for, you know, more than 50 years. And they're going to deal with this current fight that they're embroiled in. But, you know, they know that administrations come and go, elected officials come and go. They now have a really high-powered legal team that's fighting this fight in the courts for them. And so they'll continue to wage battle on this, but, you know, with an eye toward trying to stick to this kind of long-term plan for the state and play this long game. When this whole thing began, it seemed like DeSantis wanted to make an example out of Disney. But is it possible that Disney might actually be the one to make an example out of DeSantis? I think that that's a potential takeaway from this because DeSantis, I think, initially imagined that this fight would be short-lived. And by really taking on the company assertively, Disney, in their own lawsuit, they say that they had wished that things had not gotten to this point, but they felt that they had no choice but to fight back through the courts. And now that they have fought back, I think that that is a cautionary note for elected officials that there is a scenario whereby if you push too far and try to go after a company for actions it takes that you disagree with, you're potentially inviting a very forceful response. That's all for today, Friday, April 28th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. The show's made by Jade Abdul-Malik, Annie Baxter, Ariana Bow, Catherine Brewer, Maria Byrne, Pia Gadkari, Rachel Humphreys, Matt Kwong, Kate Linebaugh, Jessica Mendoza, Annie Minoff, Laura Morris, Afif Nasui, Enrique Perez de la Rosa, Sarah Platt, Alan Rodriguez Espinosa, Jonathan Sanders, Pierce Singy, Jivika Verma, Lisa Wang, Catherine Whalen, and me, Ryan Knudsen. Our engineers are Griffin Tanner, Nathan Singapak, and Peter Leonard. Our theme music is by So Wiley. Additional music this week from Bobby Lord, Emma Munger, Griffin Tanner, Nathan Singapak, Peter Leonard, So Wiley, and Blue Dot Sessions. Fact checking by Nicole Pasolka and Amelia Schoenbeck. Thanks for listening. See you Monday.